Dead Bod Rap Pod. At the time of this recording, it is March. That means March Madness um, in the worst labor scam ever created, the NCAA. <laughs> Do you guys read Deadspin ever? Now and then, when it's I want my some little, profanity. It's my little thing I do after work is like when I'm settling in the first thing I do is just read Deadspin for the day and the, mm. every story they have about any college athletics their tag they use is death to the NCAA oh off top mm. yeah. off top it's, it's a just, scam, just dude it is such a fucking scam the Zion kid if I'm him and I'm not um, I'm so not him <laughs> but if, if, if I'm him and this is all that would need to happen if him and this other guy the taco guy taco I think it's taco fail Taco, taco fail, fail, which we've all taco experienced. Maybe? Yeah, I've yeah, which we've all experienced in, uh, in, in our gut. <laughs> Stringy if, if, chicken. If I'm there, if I'm those two cats, you walk out right when the game's about to start and be like, nah. Right. Nah. Right, right. We're not playing another. We're not bouncing another fucking ball right. until but we like get they're, paid. Their thing they're into and the thing they love doing is play basketball. I know, like, it, I, the, yeah. I mean, it would take like a Kaepernickian figure, like, totally. to, yeah. to, to, but here's spark the th- here's this kind a, of change. Here's the I thing: don't know. they're getting they're going to get paid regardless. Those right. guys, they'll get, right? Well, Zion certainly will be yeah. the number one pick in the draft. Like, there's nothing that could change that. When he yeah. blew out his shoe, yeah. and he <laughs> took those like three weeks off. I thought I thought he wouldn't come back. Like, and, there's right. been and, some, and, and I wouldn't were I him, or, or if I was his dad, which is how I think about this shit now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be like, nah, right, nah, I'm right. not playing another fucking right. You know, quarter for fucking Duke. He got totally. thirty and ten in you, a college game. Yeah, in that Sweet Sixteen game—that's insane, yeah. especially yeah, yeah. for a Coach K team where it's all about ball movement. Like, that is insanity. Jeez. Yeah, he's no, it, so good. It's it's just wild because now you have like Bobby Hurley, who was a uh, who who played for Duke and now is now a coach, and I see him kind of screaming at some kid, and I'm like, dude, that kid is not getting paid for you to scream at him. Like, you are. I just there's something ridiculous. I remember Hurley when we were kids. Totally, yeah. Just yeah. hating him makes me feel old. He was hating a very good like. Down the middle, yeah. fundamentals, point guard. Yeah. Yes. You guys saw the thirty for thirty with the Fab Five. Oh yeah, like That's this whole so thing good. sort of reminds me of that when totally. they, where they're like, "We want fucking money for our merch." Yeah, like yeah. we're selling billions of. Totally. You know yeah. I mean, we're putting yeah. our bodies on my the line. My eighth grade basketball yeah. team wore black socks. The only reason we did was because of them. <laughs> well, they were the coolest people I mean, in the world. Totally. To me. Just fucking baggy shorts, right? You know what I mean? Sagging like, them. like, why should the NCAA get paid off of that kind of swag? Because they, they, it's not something that they ever would have come up with on their own and they so, still wish people wore the larry birds like absolutely yeah absolutely so so i would say that their days are numbered uh the ncaa two chains has a song on his new joint called ncaa which i would encourage folks to check out because mm. it's i think it's the first rap song to really talk about that oh interesting like he really talks about like college basketball and football players and how they're getting fucked um you know all, also with some drug references mixed in i but. saw a funny tweet again I forget who it is. Thank you, funny Twitter person, for my content. <laughs> um, like I, I, I'm, I'm all about uh, college basketball players getting paid, and then I watch college basketball. <laughs> it's like Nobody the, watches the level college basketball. Of play is, Come on, is quite bad. And the reason I say that is we're used to watching the Warriors every night. Right. Now, well, well, the Warriors taking, now though they're taking games off, but they're still historically good. It's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. I'm watching the Warriors. They lost by like 40 the other night. And I'm like, this is just me the last year of high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> just on cruise control. It's like, kind of oh. freeing. It's like, oh, I'll watch something else. Yeah, yeah exactly. totally. Exactly. exactly. Totally. It, it's not must-see TV right now. But yeah. the, the, the playoffs, playoffs are about are, to start, though. If I, I were start. any other basketball team, I would be very concerned totally. about the Warriors. No, still. no, you, you should be because they're really about to, uh, to turn it on and make it really bad because there's no LeBron. I'm kind of sad about that. I'm, Are you? I'm sad about a playoff without LeBron. Hmm. Absolutely. He had his run, dude. I don't know if I'm sad, but it's certainly a bit striking. You know, it's like, oh, Shaq no longer plays in the NBA. It's one yeah, of those. Yeah. Like, there's, oh, there's a void because, I, like. I don't think this is his last no. time he's no, no, going to, no. like, play, though. He has a four-year contract with the Lakers. No, no, no. They're no, going right. to figure they'll, this out. They'll be back, but I'm just saying. Yeah. A, a playoff, it's okay to take a, a year off. <laughs> a playoff run, especially after eight straight finals trips. Yeah. yeah totally. It's funny to see people try to roast him. Like, totally. dude, he's been to the fucking finals eight yeah, straight there's times. No, no roasting yeah. needed. It's actually, if you roast anyone, uh, Magic and Palenka oh my God. are just, mm. just botched this situation. Oh you got the best player in the world who's clearly on the downside of his career, but still one Which of the best players in the career. Which is the upside for most people. Right. Like, bad luck. LeBron is probably sixth in the MVP voting or something right, like right. that. Like, it's crazy. Right. Um, but they, yeah, the worst thing they did was that Mike Muscala trade. That makes no sense whatsoever. And I, just, loved, just I love shit like where, that. Where, 
as what? A, as a Laker hater, I love <laughs> I love Magic Johnson coming back and just botching shit royally. Like I, there's something so satisfying about that when an icon of a team you hate comes back and is the agent of its right. own right. demise. It's like, like if right, uh, right. Derek Jeter owned <laughs> the Yankees instead of the Marlins. Right, 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 right. It's like, oh no, dude, no one, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiss. That, yeah. yeah. No, so it's it's been it's been fun to watch. This has been for the Warriors fan. You gotta understand, we we're like fucking bulimic when it comes to winning. There's just been so much right. fucking winning that it it's turned our region into I feel just a little not a little, little a lot bit spoiled. Yeah. So I've spent half the season going, don't argue about KD or Steph. They're both fucking fantastic. What are totally, we arguing totally, about? Totally, what are we totally, arguing totally. about? I don't I don't think spoiled even begins to explain it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's a basketball expert now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like every time they lose, it's like relax, bud. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys hear Kerr the other day, um, after their big loss? Um, and he's always pitch perfect. And he was like, you know what? Uh, when I think back, what strikes me is that this hasn't happened in like three years. Right. You know? And it's like, right. fuck. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like the dad sort of yeah. parenting the A plus student totally. who got a bad grade. Totally. And it was perfect. Like, like settle down, settle yeah. down folks. Yeah. We're about to run the table. Yeah. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I just take just L's relax. on the daily. So it's just like <laughs> not something I'm used to. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting season. I think, um, I don't know who their competition is. The Celtics Themselves. have internal chemistry issues. Yeah. The Sixers are good, but they're still young, and Jimmy Butler hasn't really made them better. The Raptors are good, but you get the sense that that would be a sweep, right? maybe a gentleman sweep. Right. Um, the Bucks look amazing, but they look like the Warriors the year before they went on the crazy early. run. It's Low a little early. early. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I j- I'm just not seeing anything but a Warriors championship and as an end to this season. 16-0? Can they run it? Can they run a 16-0 playoff? No, not okay. with their current construction, not with Boogie on the minutes restriction, not with Draymond playing the way he has, where it's like he's still amazing, but he's not a deep defensive player of the year caliber right. defender right. at this point in his career or just having an off year, I suppose. I don't know. It's It'll be really interesting to watch. I'm, like, getting ready to get back involved. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I've been yeah. kind of, like, I, taking right. my time with this season. Kind of downshifting a little bit. No, right. I, I think the absence of LeBron really takes something away because there's no tangible fear. Mm-hmm. LeBron and five guys from the Y, which was, like, the 2016 Cavaliers, <laughs> yeah. um, is a threat. Right. And there's, like, right. there's no credible threat at this point. Right. So uh, I, let's just talk about this for a second. Why is LeBron and five guys from the Y in Cleveland a the East Coast champion and LeBron and five guys from the Y in LA not make the playoffs. Well, mm. well, he got in the Laker fans will tell you he did get hurt for for a right. good a good portion of the season, but also the East is trash. Shout out to all of our you know Philly connects back there, but it's <laughs> it's it's just he owned that conference. the The Raptors were the number one seed last year. Um, he came in and swept them, yeah. and I say he because I it was right. fucking singular. Totally. Like he just came through. And was like, nah. It like, was embarrassing for the Raptors. Yeah. So Drake to where. Pride. And also, I mean, it's a year removed. You know what yeah, I mean? After right. going, more, it's more battles. It's more scars. Right. Yeah. They, they talk about him in terms of having so much mileage on him. Because right. every season is three months longer than everyone else. Oh, 100%. That makes a ton of sense. Totally. And we're going to start running into that with the Warriors if we haven't already. Like Draymond in particular, who plays such a physical a on him, yeah. style. And he's, yeah. so, he's undersized for his mm-hmm. position, even though the whole world shifted. So he's kind of not. You know right. what I mean? But right. then it's just like. That wear and tear. How long can it? How long can it last? Yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting. I, I really feel like Draymond is just destined to be a Piston. Like I just, I feel like that <laughs> is a two hundred million dollar contract with the Pistons. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. He I is, can see that yeah, happening. I can he, see him in a Pistons. I wouldn't even yeah. be mad at it. Yeah, you couldn't be, right? Yeah. You no. couldn't be. I like, think they'll I all have Draymond. statues outside of whatever the toilet totally. stadium that they're building in <laughs> San Francisco. Dude, how shitty is that vibe going to be? Like Oracle is is definitely in decline. That Chase Center thing is going to be absolute garbage. Like I, I, I have can't. a story about, um, and this wasn't even particularly early in the uh, AT and T Park. Like um, it's just the most San Francisco story ever, and it's like I can't even imagine now. But me, I I used to have access to these really really good tickets uh, through channels i don't need to talk about on here el chapo yes yeah, so, <laughs> so um I'd, I'd go to six or seven games a year with these insane tickets on the third baseline back behind the netting like basically sitting behind home plate but a little bit off to the side fantastic so this whole game and i didn't confront them about it i just kind of let it happen for nine innings baseball's long three yep. and a half hours yep. dude yep couple hot dogs pretzel several beers like right. going out to the little breezeways to smoke right 
three and a half hours, this woman talked about repiping the copper pipes in her Victorian home <laughs> she purchased in San Francisco. Ugh. I've never hated anyone more than this fucking Jesus. woman with her copper piping, dude. Like, she, she was the entitled fan who doesn't even give a fuck about the game, right. literally drinking white wine out of a plastic cup right. and complaining oh, about her geez. contractors. Like, it, when you're picturing this Patagonia-vested woman from San Francisco who fucking sucks, yep, I yeah. sat in front of her at a baseball game and heard her listen to her, uh, like, to her tale of woe about her copper piping Jesus. for three and a half hours, dude. You're like, Bust, Buster, please let go of the bat. <laughs> totally. Please let it fly, bro. Totally. Barf. It was I, so annoying. I just saw, um, I, I don't really watch the new Simpsons, but I just saw a recent episode, and uh, Homer goes, uh, he goes up to a vendor, and he goes, um, can I order a bon mi? Uh, that's what techies call sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what I think of the new Oracle, or right. the new place. It's Perfect. Like, yeah, fuck. it's hilarious. We're going to no, have bun mees that are all wrong. We're right. going to uh, have fucking no. white wine out of fucking plastic cups. You no, know? It, it's it's bad. If you've ever been to um, the the Tragedy uh, Levi Stadium, they, they've got, they've got like... Still never been, and I'm kind of proud of it. No, no. <laughs> stay, stay the course, bro. Yeah. Now, they've got no like... heat stroke. Uh, <laughs> fake Indian food spot. They've got like a fake Vietnamese spot. Like, it's it's so pandering and so kind of... 20 you know whatever mm-hmm. late stage bay area uh so it's sadness so let's enjoy the warriors while we can uh <laughs> do you guys think kd is leaving and if so do you care no i think if you come here and bring us three championships and dip dude you get a yeah. statue and go ahead for you go ahead you know I, ro- I rock with you yeah totally. no, I, do you I'm, think it's like 100 percent that he's leaving though no i i, I kind of feel like um this is still the best situation i think i think nba twitter and nba fandom wants them to leave so bad they've created it to be this mm-hmm. inevitability. Yeah. But KD is is great about doing the exact fucking thing you think totally. you shouldn't do. You know what I mean? Right, like he's right. made a career out of like, nah, That's fuck true. that. I'm going to do the thing you think I shouldn't do. Yeah. I now I don't know and frankly I just don't have enough time in my day to like read every tweet and like parse out body language and whatever <laughs> to like figure this out cuz I have no insight into it. But I'm kind of just on he's staying island to be a contrarian at this point. Yeah, it's no, he's like, that dude. Yeah, he's that he's the Twitter contrarian like, yeah, of the let's NBA. Just, like, no, I think he's gonna stay just to fuck with you guys. I'm, yeah, and like, just, and like frankly, like you said, nothing has changed about the situation. It's still the best owners. It's still the best. Now he's gonna go and open the new thing. He's been at every press conference and stuff. He's like got yeah. the golden shovel. Yeah. with the dirt. Like Steph didn't go to those things, but KD did, which right. to me seems like a signal that he's gonna stay. Maybe this will be on freezing cold takes when uh, he, he's in the Knicks uh, uniform on look, July 1st. Look, here's since we're doing an extended sports uh, segment for no fucking reason, I want to I want to delve into God damn it. Nobody wants to go to the fucking Knicks. Like, look, I know stoner in sports besides Dan Snyder. Oh, man, or worse it's gotta, because it's, he's it, in a white it, blues it, band. It, it's got to be James Dolan. Like, he's got it. I mean, there's there's no player of the last quarter century who of their own volition went to the fucking Knicks, and yet every NBA writer starts every free agency thing going, so-and-so really is a good fit for the Knicks. They'll yeah, come yeah. to the Knicks. He's really going to come to the Knicks. Like, well, nobody your bias, isn't it? It's totally, but it's it's so unfounded that it's hilarious. Like, really? KD is going to go <laughs> plop his ass down on the Knicks? So is like, all that stuff about him getting offices there complete unfounded rumor shit? I think if you have an entertainment company or a charity or whatever, you just get offices in New York because it's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like where mm-hmm. business happens. Where was it prior? You know no, what I mean? No. Like, not yeah, Oklahoma no. City. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I have no idea. Okay. Not, okay. not OKC, but I mean, <laughs> look, could, should he go to the Knicks? Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Get fantastic. Dollars. Go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You and your 37 wins can have a. The a, great a, thing about <laughs> the NBA is like you make more money by staying with your current team. I don't know right. his whole situation right. with his bird rights or whatever, but like. I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not seeing that either. I would be, I'd be less surprised if it was another team. And if he wants to go team up with somebody else, I don't know if Kyrie is that person. Like right. he's proven himself to be a bad teammate, and like right. he's kind of killing Boston's chemistry this year. Which and is like weird, yeah. he did the whole weird thing with LeBron where he forced his way out, and then they weirdly publicly made up. And right, right. I, I don't know. That's the dude you want to sign up for five years. Hanging right. out with right, yeah, yeah. No, I. That's why we're keeping Nate on this team long term. <laughs> that's why we're locking him down. Good chemistry guy moves the ball. Uh, Nate cannot leave for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna see him with Mark Marin next year. <laughs> we're over here, and that offer comes through. I'm piecing out. Yeah. 
No, I support you on that. Uh, this is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, this is not a Ringer podcast. Wow, that was just no. We we did no intro, no nothing. We just jumped into basketball, huh? Which you should always do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apologies for motherfuckers who don't fuck with that. But I have found that it's a podcast. So if you don't like a particular segment, you can just scroll the fuck through it. Right? Yeah. Right. Did um, you know that a lot of people listen to podcasts on one point five times speed or two times speed? Really? Did not know that. Chipmunk like, podcast? Chipmunk soul, dude. Dude. Whoa. Yeah. And, and then do once I you register? start doing I mean. that. <laughs> <laughs> like there's this high-pitched beeping. Um, once wow. you do that, apparently it's really hard to go back and listen to things at normal speed. Like what? watching TV gets infuriating right, because everyone's right. talking like how people talk. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start that. I don't want to get like, addicted to two times speed. That's just I don't want to listen to Nate on two times speed. <laughs> yeah, Are you fucking totally. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nate off like five edibles and I'm like a <laughs> god damn yeah. um, that is that is actually scary. I, I consider myself you... to be a busy person. I'm not that busy right, that I right. need to like plow through totally. old episodes of the cipher at two times <laughs> speed. It's like I'll just totally. take the time to listen to the conversation as it occurred. Right, right. right. It's uh, wow. We're nothing, living in a weird era. Nothing wrong with real time. Yeah. You know no, I mean? no. Exactly. Except if it's with Bill Maher. But <laughs> 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 A good one. Uh, He's terrible. So, He's out of here. No, yeah. t- totally terrible. So this is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. If you didn't know, if you're wondering like what the fuck you stumbled into, we have a dope episode. We're going to be talking about the dopest uh, hip-hop writing um, recently, kind of some of the best writers in the game, which, you know, we got a legit writer at the table with us right here. Uh, so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll come back after this, and we're going to talk about the best writers alive, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dead Bod Rap Pod. We uh, talked about the NBA for a solid fifteen minutes, so we're gonna we're gonna get back to uh, rapidy rap talk. And this segment is all about the best writers in writing um, in hip hop game right now. And there's quite a bit of good writing. No, am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think this is a great era for writers because sort. I mean, back in the day, there was like literally a handful, and now in right. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but anybody can sort of get on, right, and put their stuff out there. Absolutely. I've so done it. It's sort yeah. of like SoundCloud of writing right now. Wow. Right? That's a great analogy. But less so than, like, the classical early mid-2000s blog era. Like, right. There's not as many writers as there used to be. That was too crazy. Right. And right. everyone was just throwing up an MP3 and, like, a three-sentence, mm-hmm. like, weirdo Right, thing. right, right. Now there's, like... You have your heavy hitters who work for publications, and I feel like their jobs are constantly in jeopardy. Like totally. every day, there's a t- Twitter thread about what mm-hmm. thing is pivoting to video or closing right, down right, or right. firing all their writers and going to freelance. Like I, I always know what's happening in the New York media landscape just because of my Twitter follows. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just yeah like, for sure. Uh, totally. When Fader like laid a bunch totally. of people off three months ago. I like texted Dave. I'm like, Dave, what's going on? And he's like, I haven't seen it yet. And it's like bloodbath at Fader. Yeah, and totally. it's like, we don't, uh, we don't work for Fader. We don't know anyone who works at Fader totally. right now currently, but it's totally. like, you, I just kind of follow the media news. Right. Um, again, to quote Deadspin, I don't know why I keep doing this. Uh, journalism is mm-hmm. another yeah, yeah, thing yeah, they yeah. classify things as. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, um, I, I think one of the points of this show is to f- have, writers on like dave is a world-class hip-hop writer his peers often will join us on the show like um we have access to these people and they're brilliant and we want to talk to them so it's funny though we were kind of talking about this off air our tastes don't always align with theirs right but we find ways to plug in where it does right yeah i think we we appreciate good commentary and i think that's where hip-hop is you know um, inching towards 50 Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. is there are enough people in the game who actually know this shit right to where even if i don't agree with your take um there's a lot of writers who are both studied in the culture and also like badass writers mm-hmm. too. So we're kind of getting to that era. Cause I would even say without, it's going to seem critical, but you know, in the classic era of rap magazines, I'm not going to say the writing was bad, but the main thing was telling this very um, succinct story. 
right. about what was going on. Some of the writing was bad. Okay. <laughs> Nate's going on record. It was trying to be too hip-hop. Yeah. Yes, doing it was. like yes. air quotes you can't see. It was. Right. It was, it was and, like, out here in these streets, you know, it's like, they just say these, dude. Like, like we don't need yeah. to be doing this yeah. right now. Um, but, you know, that's it was of its time and place. It was important at the time. It's a, any All writing looks bad, um, like when you look at it in hindsight. I heard somebody, I think it was Chelsea Peretti, make this really funny joke about, uh, you know that show, The Charming Mrs. Maisel or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's about a stand-up comedian in the 50s, like a fictional character. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't get why they set that show at a time when comedy wasn't funny. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> like, try yeah. to listen to some Lenny Bruce right now. Right. It's yeah. like he was ta- referencing hyper- up to the minute right, things that right. just don't even make sense. It doesn't to us translate anymore. anymore. Totally. It doesn't yeah, translate right, anymore. Right. So like, you know, Kevin Powell writing for vibe in the nineties is kind of like, I'm like, yeah, I guess you guys would see it that way, but like mm-hmm. we don't. Right. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, totally. yeah. I, th- I think the genre has come a long way. Right, um, right. And so now you have, you have mainstream publications that are getting freelance, you know, quote unquote hip hop writers mm-hmm. to write pieces. Um, and it's just an interesting time because we're in the internet era uh, content is king. You mm-hmm. still need words, but mm-hmm. now it's kind of like the sweat shopping of words. Uh, <laughs> content farming. Yeah, yeah content yeah. farming to yeah. where it's kind of, you know, it's precarious. Dave, how do you continue to write things and <laughs> uh, stay alive? Well, you know, just to sort of sort of uh, directly answer that question, I, um, you know, wh- when I write, I write, f- I write for two audiences. One is the current one who's going to read the piece, who's a fan of Ghostface, who's a you know, up up on Wu Tang's new new album, and then I also write for the audience who's going to read it 15 years from now, mm. who wants it to be evergreen, who's going to go back to cite it, to look at it, uh, to research, okay. and so that's sort of my approach. That's always been my approach. Yeah, to gi- to give something that doesn't like reek of its time right. so much. No, right, that, right. I, and I a lot of old hip hop writing sort of has that. You know, like they're using slang. They're you know, and so I think that doesn't age well. But some of those writers, like you know the. Chairman Mao's of the world, the Eagle mm-hmm. Trip guys, obviously went on to be prolific yeah. and amazing. Yeah, and kind of e- and evolved out of that era. Yeah. And just to say the thing Dave doesn't want to say, the way you be a hip-hop writer is you have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> that, right. that too doesn't right. hurt. It's right. like hurt. there are a, a, a chosen few who can make a career of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it. You have to be so busy, like yeah. where you're writing your book with your left hand, your article with right. your right, you're like... Right blog post with your toe posting on Twitter <laughs> with the top of your head. Yeah, like man. you have to pump out so much totally. content nowadays to be relevant. And you have to be like networking both online and in real right, life, right. like to just meet editors and get new lanes opened up mm-hmm. and like maybe do a little bit of TV when like something totally, happens in the hip hop totally. world. Like you being that dude is, would be insane. Right. Most of the people I consider to be great hip hop writers have a day job. Right. And Not also, all. I mean, you, you also have to live in the epicenter of media, right? So New right. York or LA really, and yeah, and then, much and then that's, that's yeah. about it. But that's even in it? those in those areas, as we know from uh, having the amazing Jeff Weiss on the program, right. even the media outlets in those places are really drying up. And so it's a weird time for like journalism in general. Yeah. Um, and it's also kind of an interesting point for hip hop journalism because of the advent of this crazy thing called the Internet. Um, and so the kind of commentary game is so broad now, like anybody any three schmucks can start a, a, a podcast <laughs> and, and put have their face on a flyer and put their face on a put their ruggedly handsome nuggets on a flyer. Um, and so, yeah, so the game in a lot of ways is really flat. But with that being the case, there are some like standout um, hip hop writers. And there's also a, a new anthology out um, called the, the Best Damn Hip Hop Writing of 2018. Uh, which I thought was really interesting because I don't think I've ever seen an anthology of hip hop journalism. Am I? I think am they've I done that? it a couple years. Before. Oh, have they? They've done yeah. it. Yeah, they're like kind of like a, like print as you order Amazon okay. mm-hmm. kind of things, mm-hmm. as Got far you. as I can tell. Okay. Um, I always like like if I'm gonna catch a flight, I'll 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 love a journalism anthology. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like I love mm-hmm. like yeah. the best writing of whatever genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's a little bit closer to what we know and love because it's like based on hip hop, but like I always read the best sports writing of whatever, yeah. and like, you know, right. like all, right. all that stuff. Best I love doing that. I love doing that. That's how you yeah. expand your steez, you know? Exactly. I mean? Yeah. So it, that, that's out right now. I've um, got Dart Adams and a, and a couple of other folks in there. Gary Suarez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I don't want to mess up anyone's name, but um, other, other dope writers who yeah. need their invoices paid. Um, <laughs> definitely in that piece, but there's also just, 
I think in general, some really great voices. We've been fortunate enough to have some of these folks on the program, yep. which I think um, I think is, you know, we have an interesting niche, not to um, masturbate about the show too much, but we have an interesting <laughs> niche uh, where, you know, we are one of the only podcasts I know about that consistently provide the platform for people who write about Right. culture right. right like if, for instance when mac miller died we had on paul thompson who like wrote the obituary for a major publication that is slipping my mind right now was it um, spin rolling stone rolling stone i think it was rolling stone okay yeah. and it was like the day it came out we got to have him on which was so cool right, right. um right. uh speaking of that one of my favorite twitter follows and someone who's writing i really do admire and who operates um for vulture in this kind of like broad cultural critic ranges craig jenkins yeah was someone i was thinking a lot about today um he did the this huge piece on mac and then it came out either the day he died or the day mm -hmm. after right. he died right and so he was like one of the last people to hang out with him yeah. like so he became like part of the narrative of yeah. like people right. were sending him condolences like mm -hmm. it was just such an interesting thing that happened and like at, we touched on this a little bit in the episode and why we needed someone to come on and paul was gracious enough to do it we're not big Mac Miller fans, but mm -hmm. like as people who like care about hip hop, this was this major thing that happened and right. we didn't know what to say. Yeah. So we got to reach out to someone who was brilliant and involved and like had followed it enough to have something to say. So it was a, that was a cool little moment for the show. And I like I think um, it we will continue to do that. Like when so like when Sean Sotero published yes. the best, best producers, producers list. Um, we had him on right in the wake of that, and that's our biggest episode ever. Mm. So I think people want this. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think we're getting to the point in the culture where, you know, it's what I call loving dissection, right? Yeah. So for any fucking classic rock thing that ever happened, there's <laughs> 10 books, there's a bunch of podcasts, there's a bunch of documentaries. Like mm -hmm. that era, you know, it has been thoroughly covered and recovered. And so I think hip hop is just starting to get to that place where right. you have enough people who know about the culture and can talk about it intelligently because right. part of the problem early was either it was super hip hoppy writing or right. it was people from outside the culture mm -hmm. trying to, you know, it, it was it was rock and roll critics right, right. trying to talk about an N.W.A. album. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now we've gotten to that point where lifelong fans and, and kind of culture bearers are able to comment on mm -hmm. the culture. And there's enough people that care about, you know, insane, arcane shit. I mean, I don't think we could right. I don't think right. we could have a podcast if we hadn't got to a point where people really care about 100% right. hip hop minutia. Yeah. Right. And sort of, you know, to bring it back to Nate's point earlier about, you know, a lot of writers having day jobs. I mean, so at this point in hip hop journalism, I mean, you read a major piece on somebody like that dude reached out and did it out of love, did it for yeah. like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Real talk. You know if that. Yeah. If that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, uh, the swath of writers we have right now are just like this active uh, nucleus, you know? And so I, I think, I think it's a good time for music journalism. And I hope that maybe the next sea change will involve somehow uh, valuing uh, the writing more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like literally, like the monetary value of actual writing. Yeah. Uh, when we had Oliver Wang on, he was talking about the glory days of uh, the first hip hop magazine wave, and they were getting a dollar a word. A dollar yep, per yep. word. Where are we now? <laughs> when, I, when I was writing for Scratch Magazine, which was a national magazine, we were getting a dollar twenty-five a word. Wow. So wow. you do a fucking, you do three paragraphs, you're good for the week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. living at home with my yeah, mom. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was amazing. You're like yeah. adding in extra clauses, <laughs> uh, run-on sentences. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 mystical um yeah so we're gonna uh talk a little bit about some of our favorite recent pieces um i'm not gonna talk about this piece but if you have not fucking read jeff weiss's um article about post malone that's a must read. you actually don't <laughs> even exist in this universe like i made like people who don't even like music or rap read that i was just like this is a moment you right. gotta read yeah, this right. piece yeah. dude like just yeah. just uh, just on words like just on the it's formation so of well words written. yeah mm -hmm. so definitely go out and and read that um uh, but that's kind of been covered to death so we're going to talk about um some other pieces that we dig some stuff that's come out recently um mm -hmm. and we're going to read some excerpts and i think if 
Nate and post production could put like dramatic music behind the excerpts. <laughs> you know how they do on those podcasts when they're reading? Like it's like some like a cello and a bell. It's and... I, I doubt it's still on SoundCloud, but uh somebody did a remix of a biggie song with the serial theme piano that That's I was like hilarious. super into at the time. I'll see if I can find it and loop up a little That's segment. Ad yeah. minutes. <laughs> oh, man. So Dave, what uh what what well, you, you know, um, you? That, you know, it's good that you brought that up. I um, you brought up Jeff Weiss. And so obviously, dude's a homie. But also, I mean, one of my favorite pieces of the last few years was his uh, piece on Pitchfork, which was like sort of a retrospective piece on uh, Supreme Clientele. Yes. And it was just simply fucking amazing. amazing. And uh, to sort of bring it back, Oliver Wang, which is also another great, great, great uh, mentor slash writer. Um, he says that when he approaches writing, he wants the piece of music. He wants the article that he writes about to be as compelling as the piece of music that he wrote about, mm. which is obviously almost an impossible task. But I think Weiss does it here. Yeah. And uh, let me just read a short portion from the uh, article real quick. Okay, so this is Jeff Weiss uh, for his Pitchfork article on Ghostface. He goes, this is Ghost, naturally ridiculous, the supreme smart dumb cat, the genius who embodies the innate contradictions of late American capitalism, gobbling Chinese herbs and getting acupuncture during the day and smoking dust and dodging bullets at night, capable of staggering misogyny and deep reverence towards women. He is both yin, yin and yang, not just, for, not just from song to song, but syllable to syllable. And it was fucking perfect, dude. I, I sat down and interviewed Ghostface for like an hour and a half. I did this really um, in-depth piece on him, but this three sentences encapsulates <laughs> everything, dude. You know, so shouts to Jeff Weiss, yeah. and um, that is definitely... A piece yeah. for everyone to check out. Yeah, I would like to announce I'm quitting writing. <laughs> right? right? It's shit like that that you're like, why do I even so try? Perfect. Yeah. When yeah. Jeff so was perfect. on the show, I got the chance to tell him not to his face because he was on the phone that he's the best in the game. And yeah. I strongly believe that. I'm, yeah. I'm, him and I are having this email correspondence. I have the pleasure of getting edited by him for a piece I'm working on. And like when I got the email, um, I had sent it like in the afternoon. And I'm like, okay, tell me what you think of it. And he emailed me back at like midnight. And then I got the email and I couldn't sleep for like two hours like <laughs> thinking about all the stuff he right. said. And it was, it was right. such a, it's been such an interesting experience and it's ongoing. And when I'm ready to, when it's ready to be talked about, I'll talk about it. But anyway, uh, best in the world. And yeah, that, totally. that article is probably the best, like that, you know, that one will be done as obituary. Totally. Like, totally. Wrote, wrote the definitive piece on the totally. definitive record, record of his time. Right. Totally. Like, totally. He's just, he's a total genius. And, also, and I mean, it should be noted. Killed L.A. Weekly and started a new magazine. Yep, yep, all yep. while like keeping up his freelance work totally. and being funny on Twitter and running, running a record totally. label <laughs> yeah. and just having totally, your point, totally. a glorious point mane of hair. It's yeah. just like crazy <laughs> what he's doing. He's he's my hero, man. Yeah, totally. No, he he's a fantastic ally to have in this uh, writing game. So shouts out to Jeff. Yeah, and definitely uh, has made a lane for other writers. Right, so totally, he's, it's not totally, like he's totally. kind of hoards this this position. Oh that he no, has. totally. Yeah. I every great writer that I've worked with or makes lanes for other writers. Mm. I mean, because mm. those lanes you got to develop for yourself. So it's like, oh, I've done this for the Guardian. Why don't you? Uh, here's my editor's info. Yeah, and that's how it happens. Mm. Connectivity. Connectivity. Uh, Nate, what 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 piece? Um, you? there have been two. I didn't like pick like the the best writing. I just picked like two things that I thought were really well done that got me thinking about things in a different way recently. One was um, Sean Sotero's piece on um, it's on Complex. It came out last week. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll be a couple weeks ago, but it's easily Googleable. He did this really interesting piece about how Kendrick Lamar learned to tour from the Strange Music family. Um, from Tech Nine mm -hmm. and Chris Calico, I believe is how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. or is it Calico? Calico, like Vision. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> Either or. Yeah. Uh, Seagull. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> it was just a it was a cool piece, and like, what is there left to say about Kendrick? You right, know what I mean? Right, it's like right. it's it's been done to death. But he kind of goes like he, his stance on it is like way before the Pulitzer Prize, he was he was K Dot still right. at this time. He was J Rock's yeah. hype man, mm -hmm. yeah. and he. Um, uh, got taken on tour as the hype man in uh, E40, hero of ours. Yep. E40, come on the show. Um, <laughs> was also on that tour. And so he learned different things from different people. Like Tech Nine and Strange Music runs their tours, like James Brown tours. Yep. Like there's fines right. if you're right. late. Like yep. everybody has to be in like the certain order. And like, beautiful. It's like a military precision. You hit all these shows, and that's how you make money in mm -hmm. the right. modern world. So he learned that. And then, um, 
from E40, he learned about like just you never have to stop your creative process. You can set up a studio in your hotel room, yep. bang yep. out tracks. They've yep. got all these tracks together. I really want to hear someday. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And then, um, yeah, he was just like you know cool and humble about it as always. Sean mm-hmm. is like yeah. the coolest. Yeah, um, I love his podcast. I love his like his take on everything. And I will just reiterate this: I've talked about it on the show several times. He's doing the best reporting on the Takashi Six Nine trial. Mm. Right. He goes to the trial right. dates and he reads the court documents. And like yeah. he's not here to talk about snitching and bullshit. He's totally. like talking about it like from kind of a dry court reporter court reporter totally. kind of point of view and it's like brilliant reporting it's like that's where i'm getting my information on totally. this thing i'm like fascinated with so. i think sean actually got a face tattoo i'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. dedication <laughs> dedicated to the craft um so that's one but then um the other one is paul thompson who i talked about a little bit earlier he came on when we had our mac miller um retrospective episode and kind of would pinch hit for us and uh, he said such an interesting thing on the podcast that day that I've thought about a lot. Like he's in this unique position where he's kind of the main hip hop guy for Pitchfork. So he said that he mm-hmm. off they often want him to give the kind of Roman gladiator thumbs up or thumbs mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. on projects. Mm-hmm. And he's, he doesn't really feel comfortable with that. And I've right. thought about that a lot since then. But um, he has moved a lot of his output to Vulture. He has a weekly column mm-hmm. on Wednesday afternoons where it's kind of like um, just like what happened in hip hop mm-hmm. that week, like kind of what's the most interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I consider that to be appointment viewing. Yeah. I always read that. Those I try to great. retweet it when it comes out. Um, and I just think that it's cool to, for it to be on that platform. And frankly, if any editors of Vulture are listening, it's buried on there. It's never on the front page. Mm, like you guys mm. need to like put that like in a more prominent spot. But that's just my little peccadillo. But anyway, he wrote this article about um, how some of the early Cash Money records have finally come to streaming. And I'm not a big Cash Money guy. Like I'm like I'll start at the Carter Two and check out at the Carter Three. Kind of right. like <laughs> that's just not my shit. I'm a Bay Area dude, and it just never really. It's not meaningful music to me. But it made me want to go back and listen. And mm-hmm. I think that's what great journalism can do. And I'll just read a. A little brief passage here. Um, let me find it. Sorry. This is really compelling radio. <laughs> Edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. One second. I'll edit this. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's a little passage. If you have even a cursory familiarity with Cash Money's history, you know none of this would last. Sending and then confirming with the help of attorneys that his contract was all types of fucked up, Juve left the label in 2001. BG and Turk followed shortly thereafter. It would turn out, tragically, that the money they may have left on the table was far from the worst thing on the horizon. It's just like, it's, it's like are we mm. reading like Hemingway? Yeah, or I was like, say, tell rap, two cities right writing. Now? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. anyway, he's just, he's a, he's a great writer and uh, I try to like read everything he does. And he's one of those people, and I have to say, even though he seems to be kind of retired, I still consider uh, Andrew Nosnitsky Nas mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be one of the best in the game. He mm-hmm. has this like really educated, deep appreciation for all kinds of different hip hop, right, but he's also right. a great writer and like is really like thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. And he mostly confines his writing these days to the newsletter for his store, right. uh, Park Boulevard right. Records. So I don't know, like it, whatever makes him happy. I'm just happy I get to read anything from him, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I got. Dope. What about you? Um, I'm kind of feeling this piece by a writer whose work I'm I'm not super familiar with. Uh, he just did a feature piece about Blueface in the Washington Post. Uh, his name is Chris Richards, um, and you know, anytime there's one of these pieces in. Uh, a major publication there's like two levels of me that goes one is number one eye roll because like mm-hmm. what the fuck does a, a washington post reader know about blueface right. care but then there's also this like oh shit this shit isn't a washington post <laughs> like it's really I, I think that it says something about the ascendance of of blueface as a thing in the culture but what i love about this article um and this dude may not even be a, a quote-unquote hip-hop writer but uh, what I love about this article is it's not so much about Blueface as it is about um, his approach and kind of couching this offbeat approach mm. um, and helping kind of contextualize it for um, obviously an audience that wouldn't know shit about this. And I felt I felt his whole take on this was great. So it's not really an interview with Blueface. It's more like um, helping 47 year old uh, Jimbo from the DMV. Uh, understand the phenomenon and I'm going to read a 
uh, a passage from it. So, so why do people feel so chafed when they hear Blueface rapping offbeat? Question mark. Because they've been conditioned by decades of vacuum sealed rap verses. The important of rap, the importance of rapping tightly to a rhythm was practically written into rap music's Magna Carta. Now, what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat, <laughs> quotes, and at the dawn of hip hop, such measures probably felt necessary. These were marginalized voices who wanted the rest of the world to hear them. Rapping close to the beat was a way of aligning your human voice with the unstoppable clarity and authority of time. So I, I really I really dig this piece because it, he's talking about something uh, that's really kind of intricate to the to the rap kind of craft that actually doesn't get talked about a lot. The content of rap songs, the explicitness of it, the explicit nature of them, or you know, the social commentary gets covered, but like this craft. really the real craft, the mm -hmm. form of, you know, talking about swing and kind of the, the history of, of you know, off pattern flows mm -hmm. um, in the Washington Post I thought was interesting and he got it right. So I don't know if he's a if he's a hip hop writer or not, but just on the basis of his writing he's definitely demonstrating an understanding of the form and as an MC, i'm like oh shit dope. that's a that's a dope way to think about it so um this is just something that just came out so if you uh want to check that out it's chris richards in um the washington post which it was really well written i, yeah. I was impressed mm -hmm. by that passage i don't think i've read this article um yeah. they also that's where the post malone thing was yes the, yeah. wa the washington post malone so <laughs> it seems like whoever's editing the hip-hop coverage in washington post has pretty good taste yeah, yeah, yeah and and it's just having the right uh writer to contextualize this for a broader audience right. is definitely something because it's like if you read and we all do you know, I'll read about some shit I don't know about mm -hmm. if, if the writing is solid. Right. You know what I mean? I, I That's read, why I read The New Yorker. I yeah, always right. read the entertainment or sports Same. thing first, and then Same. I read about, like, the political scene in Belarus, and I'm just like, holy fuck. Right. Like, we got to get on this. Yeah. yeah I didn't it, know it, this it, was an emergency. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're, they're, they're fact-checking, and their writing is of such a high quality. I could literally read about anything. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, so good, good, good writing definitely uh, trans, translate across genres, but... Um, the hip hop writing is is definitely reached um, an interesting point. A lot of dope writers. Where is it going though? Like right now, you know, like I said before, it's kind of being sweatshopped a little bit. There isn't a whole lot of money in the game. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the next kind of level? Is are we going to see more books? Are we going to see different types the of content? The most interesting thing that's happening with writing right now is the land magazine and the writers starting their own publication mm -hmm. right the, for me that's totally fascinating like it's not only is it admirable mm -hmm. uh reading it it's right. super entertaining totally, dave totally. went to la and brought us a copy back so we're like the three people in northern california <laughs> reading the land um but i think that there's a lot of interesting room for that because mm -hmm. There's so many rich people, dude. You just need mm -hmm. one to write you a check. Right. You know what no, I mean? Totally. It's just like, especially in an area like this where there's so much money. Right. It's just like you could right. find somebody to kind of kick you like, you know, a little startup funding to start a thing. We, there was a time when Dave and I were younger when we were like, you know, want to be writers. But like Dave really was a writer. But like <laughs> everyone in our crew, like wanted to start a magazine mm -hmm, that we right. talk mm -hmm. about this all the time. All like the time. none of them started magazines. Right. Like, totally. Some people had a good idea for it. Some got an issue or two out. Right. But like right. nobody founded anything of substance that lasted. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Dave and I both have a lot of pieces in defunct magazines. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. like when I first got out nice. of college, I would like kind of write for anyone. And I was just trying to get my feet wet and like figure out my voice and like mm -hmm. what what was I after college like and now right. I'm an adult what do I know about mm -hmm. like right. shoes hip hop like you know old records like right. the digging scene so I would like write these columns or like these pieces and like they're gone dude this is like not really Sands even on time. the internet yeah right. it's like I didn't, right. I'm not a big like saving my archive for mm -hmm. the Smithsonian mm -hmm. dude because I think mm -hmm. it's like you know corny but right, uh, right so it's 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 gone no totally and yeah. and and to move on further from that I mean a lot of stuff that I've written for for um online purposes those are gone right you know so it's oh, like wow yeah so i I've, I've been seeing sites of uh that have popped up that are like uh repositories for 
writers. They're like, hey, uh, your stuff might be gone next week, so put it here. And, oh, and that's gotcha. sort of how Notorious works for me. I just right. keep everything there. Okay. But you so know you, what I mean? You pay your own server bill. Exactly. Yeah. Al Capone's vaults. Exactly. Of, uh, <laughs> my own shit. Of, of your own writing. I think, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, one of the most important hip-hop articles to come out in a long time, and this is the NPR piece on how hip-hop helps to age cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, That's so funny, We're dude. talking about hardcore writing. I'm, <laughs> you I'm would think it would be so in our wheelhouse, but I think all of us kind of saw that our story. Our cheese wheelhouse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, it's too on the nose. Like That's, that's just too, too easy in our lane. Uh-huh. Like, the fucking cheese that they played Tribe Called Quest tastes the best. I know. <laughs> I could have told you that. Hey, just blame the Hamilton mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get that I don't ricotta. Eat no parmesan. <laughs> and cholesterol. I literally put that shit on everything. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that's, I think, to contrast. That is how hip hop is used in mainstream kind of uh, goofy media right? in this kind of goofy yeah. juxtaposition way. Like, look at this trap ballet. Right. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. so I think that's what makes uh, some of this writing that we've talked about even more kind of vital is this right. idea that, like, no, actually, although the culture should never take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. it's as serious as anything fucking Jimmy Page 100%. did or, you know, any of the jazz folks did. No, it's right. art. And it, it's art. And, and at it, times it's high art. And at times 100%. it's high art. At times it's just high. But yeah. it, it, <laughs> it, it still deserves a critical examination uh, by people who are skilled with the pen or the metaphor. 100%. 100%. Pen in this, in this, you know. With the metaphor. notes app. With their notes app, uh, Google Doc champions coming through. <laughs> um, so we invite you to check out um, all of the works that we put here. I think because I'm super into content, we'll have some of this on our Twitter feed. We'll post links to these articles and also uh, at the writers. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can help keep this tradition alive. I think at the beginning of the year, we talked about having some, you know, triple byline shit that we were supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. we can yeah. still do it. Yeah. So it's funny. The only article that we ever did as a team was because uh, the audio was so <laughs> fucked up on the podcast. We had to put it out somehow so we can figure out. Yeah, we'll ruin another another podcast yeah. and then have to do it. Next an time we record at Dave's house, we'll uh, <laughs> have a few sips of the Jameson and mess Jameson. it all up. Oh, yeah. wow. That's how hard liquor got banned on this program. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. right. Uh, all right. Let's do a. Let's do a roundup of how people can interact with us. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, that's right. So um, if you have a carrier pigeon, write a <laughs> small note. Uh, no, so Dad Bod Rap Pod is now pretty much on all the, the major uh, podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, iTunes. 60 I- to 75% of you listen to us on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. That's right, and we we love you all. Please uh, rate the program. Uh, also, Twitter at DadBodRapPod, Instagram at DadBodRapPod, DadBodRapPod dot com. If you just want to go straight to the source, we don't put any content on there or anything. It's just each show mm-hmm. um, Thursdays at noon Pacific time. Um, you can play it from that window or open it in a new window and play. And I I, I can see the stats. Some of you do that, um, which is kind of cool for us. It's like the that's the pure, you know, <laughs> that real shit, son. And you survived us uh, switching uh, hosting companies with only a few DMs, which was <laughs> very nice of you guys. Um, is there any other way people can interact with us? We have our personal Twitter. Yeah, we have our personal Twitters, their uh, websites, uh, you know, Facebook. Yeah, we do, we do have Facebook, but I'm kind of thinking not for that long. If you know my mom, just hit her up. <laughs> hit her up. <laughs> my mom and occasionally my aunties or grandma will comment <laughs> underneath stuff when we post it on Facebook. So that's which always... I which I'm here dude, for. Dude, so sweet. Yeah, I'm, so I'm here. Sweet. I'm here for all Me of you. Me too. Above. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, you know, I I feel like we have a dedicated you know small but but dedicated group of militants and that growing and yeah. growing that rock our shit but please if you like this shit help us grow the show rate it share it annoy your friends about it um oh i did we didn't mention the soundcloud oh SoundCloud. yeah com slash dad bod rap pod um m dot 
soundcloud.com slash dadbodrapod if you're on your phone. Um, mm. They have the mobile player where you can just play the uh, new episode directly. That's the link we often post because yeah. we just like we mm-hmm. don't we don't know what platform people are always on, so we just post the SoundCloud. But it's not just on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, it's we're we're all over the goddamn. We're all over those Slow, uh, Instagram places. as well. Instagram, uh, yeah, it's Instagram podcast. Instagram is so weird. It like, is. Weird. Yeah. We didn't think it would be like good because how do you pictures represent of sound yeah pictures right. it turned out to be pictures of records from my collection <laughs> which is so interesting hey. what you guys respond to like our biggest post is the picture of the dvd of style wars <laughs> i don't know why it's okay. not a good picture okay. it's, i mean it's a 100 percent classic that people in the hip-hop world have a lot of affinity right, for right, right. but it's just so bizarre to me, that that's the best one. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't get that at all. I'm like, yeah, we, other pictures are better composed or like more relevant to what we're doing or talking about. No, you think this is about <laughs> quality? I know uh, our show is about quality. Oh, we're but, pushing uh, nostalgia buttons in a certain way, right? Sure, like it's like sure. a lot of the reason why people I think find us is we might interview someone that they liked when they were a kid. Sure, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. all the Prince Marky D fans came out of the woodwork <laughs> a couple right. weeks ago. That's right. That's right. So we we only intend to bring you more. Of that flavor uh, of the best past, present, and future. It is the dad bod rap pod. Mm-hmm.